0: Speech is a life-changing experience for me. I think it's transformative on every aspect of your personality and not just the things that you can measure, things like leadership, teamwork, your ability to think in general. And I want other people to access the same transformative tools and see how much better of a person they can be if they chose to speak.
1: Welcome to Seek2Speak's to podcast. My name is Aisa and on this week's episode, we have a very special guest. Her name is Mai Mo Sin and she is a speaker, debater, as well as educator. Mai was a varsity debater who is extremely accomplished locally as well as internationally. She has trained students in Malaysia, in China, in Korea, and is actually heading to Hong Kong to further her debate education journey. In today's conversation, we talk all about her speaking journey, and I think a lot of you, no matter what kind of speaker you are or what speech level you're at right now, would be able to relate because she talks about how she overcame her fear. And after the break, we then went on to talk about the transformative tool that debate has become to a lot of the youths in Malaysia today and how debating as well as the productive discussions that it brings makes people just become much better people and i really hope that you will learn from the experiences as well as the advice that she imparts today because i was truly inspired i can't wait for you to hear it and let me know what you think Maybe you can tell me a little bit about yourself, Mai, and what you're currently working on right now.
0: I have been debating and speaking since 2008. I started with ISA at the very <laughs> same tournament. We had the exact same start. I've been a debate educator for the last 10 years, um, and somehow since then also made debate education a sort of career. Um, I did the same thing in South Korea for two and a half years. Um, I did debate education in Malaysia for about five years cumulatively and now I'm about to head out to Hong Kong to do the exact same thing. I
1: mean that's amazing. Okay so maybe uh, since you're super experienced maybe you can first share with us, let's get this out of the way, your most traumatizing speaking experience because A lot of people fear speaking out because they feel like they will get judged or they feel like what they're saying is stupid. Unsurprisingly, it was my first time ever speaking. I
0: actually have have two separate experiences in terms of my most traumatizing speaking experience. I wasn't scared. I wasn't fearful per se. But the outcome was traumatizing. But I do have another story. <laughs> what, what,
1: what do you mean? What do you mean? Okay, so let's I was that
0: first. 15 years old. Um, I was in a school where there wasn't a lot of native English speakers or anyone who has a high <laughs> level of English proficiency. So I was kind of pushed into doing a public speaking competition on behalf of the school. Um, I myself was not proficient in English, I wasn't as fluent as I am right now. So I was kind of just like, pushed into doing it and I remember because I I wrote a really boring speech on what the benefits of information technology
1: <laughs> you meant I IT remember.
0: The, benefits. <laughs> the benefits of IT not even like specified just IT I just <laughs> like forgot information what IT stood for back then in 2007 it was the thing to speak about <laughs> yeah.
1: so I wrote a speech now about the benefits AI.
0: of IT. And it was so dry. It was so boring. I have no prior experience. So I don't even know like, how speeches can be entertaining. So the English teacher, I think we had like one practice session. I memorized it by myself. <laughs> Done. And then we had to go. I still remember. We had to go to SMK Asunta like at 6 a.m. We drove there. And then all the other public speakers were so talented. Like they were like you. You mean you watched the? Yeah, everyone's watching in the audience, and they were like, they were storytellers. They were like, like they laughed and they cried. Talk about it, and the
1: audience (laughs)
0: moved. And then that's when I realized I made a mistake. I'm just like, oh no, I wrote about the benefits of it. And then in my head, I wasn't fearful because I was just like, no one expects me to win this thing. I'm just gonna like go up and then say my speech and then sit down. But then I went up and I had stage fright and I forgot everything. Like everything? Everything. And it's like, you're not supposed to bring flashcards. So I didn't bring because my teacher was just like, oh, and the guideline says, don't bring any cue cards. And then I went up and nothing, nothing came to mind. So it's not even like... Did you start? I think I started. But I paused like astronomically long pauses (laughs) that you can tell this girl is pissing herself on stage. And then I, I couldn't even fully remember the experience of going through the speech because it's like in bits and pieces. Like I've, I've lost all cognitive ability. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even finish
1: a sentence because I was trying so hard to remember. Like I lost my linguistic ability. Because like, like, all your brain power went to trying to remember. It can't uh, come to the next I sentence. I couldn't even like, I, I wasn't even speaking English, I feel like. Like I don't it,
0: know. I couldn't riff off. Like I couldn't just do like an impromptu thing. I was just like, what's the line? What's the line? What's the line? I then, can't remember, and I can't remember, and I would take like, a like a pregnant awkward pause, and just like, oh. How <laughs> did you like? What
1: happened? I can't like, remember, but was I there know. An awkward clap. To I get know down? for
0: sure. I did not finish the speech. I know for sure. I'm just like at some point. I was just like, you know what? It's not working out, and I. I ran off the stage, I sat down and it was just the most awkward because I'm sitting next to my English teacher and she's just like, you can tell she's just so disappointed because she's like, I'm the prodigal child who can speak English oh in the class, goodness. like the only one. Did she say it anything? Was so, did she didn't say anything. To, she, she was so she nice. She didn't
1: try to make you feel better? She, but she did, yeah, she didn't yeah. try to
0: make me feel better either. She was just like awkwardly silent, like, okay, well, that was a disappointing thing. And then, And then I remember I never tried to do public speaking ever again since then because I'm just like, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to have stage fright. Like, it was so traumatizing that it took three to four more years before I even attempted to do like English speaking, like public speaking activities. So that was traumatizing.
1: I remember that. How did you restart despite that experience? I feel
0: like I only started because as a group, like us, like friends hanging out, In college, Mawa Uitm, (laughs) like we decided to go to the recruitment drive. It felt like it wasn't serious; it was more just like an intriguing activity. But I think the part that hooked—I don't know if it hooked you the same way—but it hooked me in terms of just like it felt like a fun group of people.
1: Like it felt like because it it was was. funny, right? The exhibition debate. It was. um, It was English debate, by the way, that we were signing up for mm-hmm. and then they had a demo debate right yeah and they were hilarious yeah they it was like a so silly charming topic. and it was something really stupid like yeah was it eating junk food or i yeah. can't I remember I yeah, can't yeah but remember, it was, a but silly topic. was super trivial but it was a lot of fun and are you is this the competition is this your second experience it
0: this is the part that convinced me to overcome the initial trauma because it wasn't, I wasn't, I did not care for the competition. I did not care for the activity itself. But it felt like I liked the climate and the people. I like the, I I also found it a little bit inspirational because, you know, we're all from UITM. We may not necessarily be the best English speakers or had like the most educated background. But I felt like they expressed themselves so well. And I felt
1: like I want to be like that. So how if, when you first started speaking again after that, would, did you have that kind of mind block again? Did you ever find yourself? I feel like, of course, there
0: were moments where it's really difficult to articulate yourself. But it was never to the same degree of like blankness of thought. Because that's what the stage fright was for me. It was like an absolute inability to grasp onto any thought. It's just like a blank canvas and nothing else. Like, since then, I've never had a similar experience, although I did have one experience where my fear was at an all-time height and I was fearful that I might get stage fright. Mm -hmm. And this happened, I think it stood out to me because it happened so late in my debating career. So this is, like, fifth year of university. We were doing our LLB. Um, uh, This was the part where we were in Berlin for the World Universities debating championship. And I had to bid for the right of Malaysia To host the competition Two years in advance um, So it's quite competitive That year we were competing against New Zealand For the right to host it So in order to bid for Malaysia hasn't
1: bid before, right? Has we, we've hosted it ten years back and um, And by this point of time, you are champion of yeah, Asia. at this point, she's, I've been in at like, this point of time she's a seasoned debater. Like, at she, this point, probably in my
0: mind, nothing touches me. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah, so that's important. Yeah, yeah, the but also in terms of I think the more experience you have, the more accustomed you are to feeling the fear and anxiety that comes with right before you speak. I think even as you get older, you still feel a tinge of adrenaline before you start speaking. But you have so much experience that it doesn't touch you, it doesn't affect you. You feel it, but then it's kind of just like natural. But it's
1: good that you still feel that because then it means something to you. You're not so arrogant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
0: still feel it. I get the butterflies (laughs) when the emotion comes out. (laughs) But this was not that. This was that times a million because we had to, I had to present the bid in front of the whole competition, which was 1,200 people from like 60 different countries And I know there were people in the audiences that one, either strongly looked up to me, even students that I've trained in other countries who are competing at Worlds. And then on the other hand, I also had people that I looked up to myself. So World Debate Champions, people who are like, I listen to their speeches all the time and I didn't want to fall flat on my face in front of them. So I knew there were people who I could not disappoint and there were people that I'm very embarrassed to speak in front of in that capacity. And then the stage was so huge. The hall was massive. And then the slide is like the entirety of the stage background. So it's massive. And like, and you're like that one person
1: that yeah. you represent. You're also representing your country yeah, and your I, institution. Absolutely. Yeah. And At it was more like,
0: and I was the sole presenter. There wasn't, I mean, I had a team of five people with me, but none of them were planning to speak. And I knew it fell onto my shoulders. Like there's no one who would like, chip in if i were to fail or if i forgot it's not like i could pass the mic onto someone
1: you were the president of the debate club at that time yeah that and
0: so i was the proposed convener of the competition so the convener is the program director so it falls on to just one person to be like the face of the competition and i know i had speaking points i know there was even a joke in the introduction which i did not write but they helped me write
1: So you had everything laid out in front of you. I
0: memorised it and I was just like shaking, like physically shaking. I like felt nauseous and I almost felt like, sorry, nauseated. I almost felt like I wanted to pretend to be sick so that somebody else could speak. I was like, what can I do to not speak at this moment? I was like coming up with plans, like surely there's a plan B. Like what if I suddenly did feel sick and somebody had to speak? But then what snapped me out of that moment, like despite the extreme fear, in my head, I'm just like, I'm going to have stage fright. I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to remember everything. I thought to myself that I'm the proposed convener for a reason. Like this isn't about effective communication. Like I had a purpose. I had a role to be fulfilled. I'm in this position because there's no one who is more qualified than I am. Even if I don't believe that, my team believe that. The people in charge of me believe that. So, like, I had to think bigger than my own anxiety. So, I was just like, you have a job to do. So, I think that kind of took away um, my concern about how effective I would be as a speaker because I'm just thinking about the bigger picture. You have a job to do. You have to communicate about the bit. You have to speak about the speaking points. Even if you stutter, so what? So, yeah. I just went up and I did it. And I, it, felt, it felt good. Like, I felt like I did an okay job
1: despite the fear. Yeah, you, you guys won the bid. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Although, I mean, okay I job, down. You <laughs> won the bid. Um, and Malaysia hosted Worlds the yeah, next and, year. And it the, was, at the end of 2014, we did. And yeah. it was pretty good. I mean, it was It was excellent. Yeah. yeah, I would like, say so myself. I remember a lot of, a lot of uh, debaters were, it was quite commendable, unlike the next... <laughs> World. or the the one prior. yes uh the one i'm not gonna name countries let's not name names let's not name countries but
0: those who know you know
1: wow that's amazing though like with that kind of pressure it's funny that in the end it was that pressure and that sense of responsibility that also got you out of that yeah funk. i feel like
0: it was just perspective you know if if your normal confidence is not enough, you just need to figure out a different way to embrace your speaking role.
1: So if you could go back in time since, you know, you're so experienced as a, not just a speaker, as a mentor and teacher now, what advice would you have given yourself as the English teacher sitting next to you after that massive traumatizing experience of blanking out on stage? I feel
0: like To me, the most useful advice and the advice I've probably given most often to students who are struggling the most is that everyone starts somewhere. And the best part about applying that story to myself, like fast forward 12 years, is that currently as I am, a lot of my students have come up to me and explain how they look up to my level of confidence and proficiency But me 12 years ago, I wouldn't have envisioned myself at this position. Me 12 years ago would have said I would never, ever try (laughs) public speaking (laughs) ever again in my life. So I feel like I always told them about my starting point. And if me 12 years ago at that point could look up 12 years ahead and like I would absolutely admire myself, as the teenager that I was before, I would have looked up to this version of myself. I would have never believed that it was even possible. So I always tell them everyone starts somewhere. So at the current stage they're in, where a future version of them that is so eloquent is completely uh, inconceivable, I would always tell them that it is. Because even the best of speakers start somewhere. somewhere.
1: This podcast is brought to you by SeekToSpeak.com, a public speaking resource suitable for the casual and competitive speaker. Show us some love by checking out our Facebook and Instagram pages. So, what I wanted to know was what are the skills that are transferable from activities, soft skills activities like debates and public speaking? How did you see that translate in students graduating, be it to universities hmm. or? Out of universities,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I could go on for hours at this point because <laughs> right, I feel like the. Okay, I'll try okay, to limit myself to talk to you. No
1: worries. Good luck, anything, this.
0: <laughs> good luck trying to condense this into a thirty-minute podcast. <laughs> the, <laughs> I think the key here, especially if you graduate or if you transfer industries, the, the your primary value as a worker, as a graduate, is in your mind, obviously, but how people perceive your value is in how well you communicate your thoughts. So Absolutely. half of it is just, it, half of it isn't your knowledge, it's the way in which you communicate that knowledge in order to really shape how valuable you are as a graduate or as a worker. So that's all communication skills. I think through debating, you sort of learn how to craft your words in a way that sounds more compelling or to deliver it specifically in the way that you meant to deliver it as opposed to just an impromptu explanation. So one is you really get to control how other people perceive your value, but the second thing is also um, the ability to think critically and the ability to speak offhand, like at the top of your
1: head. That is such a uh, such a unique and underrated skill set. Yeah. Abs- do you find that that's completely missing in our education? Absolutely, system? absolutely. Because I feel like our active our academic system is
0: very rigid in terms of like we're expected to fill in the blanks. Like there's a scheme of answers that is considered acceptable. That is a perfect answer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely this it's silly there's because only one answer. we're not allowed to think outside of the box to challenge your problem-solving skills. And in a workplace, you're constantly learning. You're never given the answers. You have to come up with it yourself. So they're in these interview sessions, they're asking you really complex case studies that you would have no exposure towards you don't know how to answer these things and the only thing that saves you is your personal critical thinking skills and that's why a lot of debaters um how they may not be debaters
1: how does debate hone those skills
0: yeah so these guys <laughs> debaters you they're not us <laughs> or maybe with the exception of us Uh, most not most I'm exaggerating okay some of them are not the best students and they're not even the best workers but they're the best thinkers so and that's what helps them in this interview sessions so in a debating uh, environment you're constantly thinking off the top of your head so you're given impromptu topics, you're given as little as 15 minutes to as, to as much as one and hour to,
1: to come up with against, arguments. Against yeah,
0: you. So you have to come up with like logical, reasonable, persuasive lines of reasoning as to why a topic should be supported or negated. But these topics are always new and creative, they're responding to current issues... They're very innovative. They might be like a byproduct of a Black Mirror
1: episode,
0: whatever that comes to mind. <laughs> what's,
1: what's the most recent, uh, like, given an example of a most recent motion that you were watching? Of a. Of a, of a yeah.
0: Just any motion recently. Of a very innovative one or just like On, a casual? So, any, any. We had training this morning. Okay. The World Schools Team Malaysia. Um, we're preparing for something called the Online World Schools Debating Championship. That's happening in a month the topic that we're pre- we were preparing is that we would replace human judgment with computer algorithms in wow, sentencing trials. that does sound like Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's easy, to be honest. Like, some of these Black Mirror Just how topics. old are
1: your world school kids?
0: Um, the youngest is 15, and the oldest is
1: 18. Wow, and they're already debating... Yeah, they have, like, challenged
0: the, the boundaries of their mind, and, like, honing that... If you can come up with any reasonable argumentation for the most silly, uh crazy motions that you can think of, you're you're golden in an interview room.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean and it's not just about innovative motions. I mean some of the motions are also like based on recent events. Yeah. Do you have like a a, a motion that
0: yeah, we um, so my kids in, I'm currently coaching UITM students. Um, so they, are, they were debating today in, in a tournament called Melbourne pre And the motion that they debated was a fairly recent one. is regarding the Black Lives Matter movement that the proposition would have to support instead of vandalizing or removing statues of historical figures with racist backgrounds, that they would rather we remove these statues and place them inside museums instead. So that's a fairly recent one yeah, because of the statues being vandalized. That's a really good being also.
1: Yeah, yeah it I was mean, a good debate. Yeah, uh, it was very entertaining. That sounds like a really good debate. Okay, so when when you're sort of exposed to these kind of motions, like every every tournament would have how many motions like these? Uh, it really depends on the format, but
0: you can get as many as like 40, 50 motions. In one tournament, depending on the length of the competition.
1: Wow, and this is each competition without even training, without and yeah. most of most of the debaters even in Malaysia do this every week.
0: Yeah, day constantly. In, day out, like. At our peak, I think we might have done like six consecutive weekends. Of Like yeah. I think we died somewhere along the way. I think at some point <laughs> yeah, we had I
1: debate mean... fatigue. Like we coined the term debate fatigue. Oh yeah, I because remember we that so yeah. much. But like. I remember that also being like the basis and foundation of how we uh, used to think about things not just involving debates but it also translated outside I mean other than interviews I mean we also see that in like the way that we do our jobs like do you think um, being a debater made you a better educator
0: I think not just that it made me a better educator and a better thinker, I think it made me a better person, like overall. I think this, the struggle with not just our education system is that we don't realize how limited we are in our own opinions and our own thoughts because we're extremely limited. Like, we're limited by our experiences, by the media and information that we consume, by our upbringing. And, but we don't know how much we don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, but that's we true. formulate all of our opinions on those very, very limited set of experiences. And the way that debating works to liberate that is because is that you get so much exposure to so many different points of view, so many different contexts, so many walks of life and current issues, that it sort of opens up your mind. Like you have a much broader worldview that I believe is a lot more tolerant, a lot more progressive a lot more accepting of people and i think that impacts everything you do like not just in the workplace like it impacts you know the friends you make how you carry yourself how you treat your family members like we may not realize it because it's such a gradual process but i feel like at the end of like our varsity career like we're just better people because we've seen so many different things
1: yeah and i think the way that debates are set up is that you can be extremely I wouldn't say offensive but (laughs) you can be extremely harsh with the way in which you deconstruct somebody's arguments and the debate can be so intense to the point where you get a headache after but the moment you step out of the room you guys are friends again yeah like nothing is left out of outside of that room yeah, that yeah. we competed in and I think that's the problem that we sort of have in the society generally and that's why debaters are more tolerant is that we are able to differentiate between ideas and identities Yeah, yeah. that in real life when you have the kind of conversations that we have in it debates it's not
0: possible <laughs>
1: a lot of people will get emotional they will take offence because a lot of people think that they are being attacked but rather we're just trying to find a resolution Yeah. So we actually see a lot of debaters going out to be activists, going out to, um, if not to be an activist, but actually stand out for causes Mm. um, and fight for things that other people may not, it may not be possible to fight for. Mm. Um, When you talk about how people, it makes us more tolerant. Uh, why do you think that is so? Is it just exposure or is it mm-hmm. also our ability to put ourselves in other people's
0: shoes? I think so both. I think by virtue of not being able to pick what side you speak for in a round. So in a debating Ooh, yeah, round, you true. have to persona a specific point of view. So regardless of how little you know about this particular Or your personal group of, feelings. Yeah, despite actually, yeah. our uh, moral <laughs> inhibitions... <laughs> So you have to speak from the point of view of a lot of groups and communities, those who you may not personally agree with. But I think oftentimes, because we're so young, we may not necessarily have formed an opinion yet, and that made us even more open-minded. So in these rounds, we have to sort of really deeply empathize with a lot of different groups of people and kind of like trying to reverse their thought process, like why do they do the things that they do? How do we find a positive or legitimate justifications behind their actions? And I think that forces you to become more tolerant, like, cause you have to take up the persona of all of these different people from different walks of life. So I think it's almost like an empathy building exercise. So you see a lot of different things, and you kind of it kind of resonates with you, just like on a human level.
1: And that's why I really don't like it when people try to differentiate public speaking and debating in a way that they say, oh. Debating is devoid of emotion. You don't tell a story. Well, you're nothing just could be more sex. untrue. But really, actually, you're putting yourself in people's, in real people's yeah. shoes and on situations and problems that actually exist. Not to say that public speakers don't. Yeah. But there <laughs> okay. is a certain degree of empathy building, mm-hmm. like you said. Then my question is, uh, for us, it was very, very difficult to stay in debates. Yes. Yeah. It was a lot of traumatic experiences. Yeah. Then, so my next question to you is, why do you think a lot of people quit and debate yeah. and, and and just give up? Yeah, why, I think there's a there's a simple
0: answer, and that's just a a, a very lengthy one. <laughs> the simple answer is just the the humiliation. <laughs> it's okay. not worth it. It's a it by virtue of the exercise. It's a long string of being subjected to the judgment of others. And I think for a lot of people, their personalities are not geared towards that. So it, there is a personal what, what sense of mean, shame like a and embarrassment. Like judgment of others. Like. So there will be judges who are required to give you the win and the loss, or they may rank you in a student room from one to four. And then they are required to be very brutally honest about your flaws. So it almost feels like, especially if you're starting out as a rookie debater, like a constant cycle of being put down in a very intellectual way, of course. But it and is of very... that makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a great emasculation of your sense of self-worth. And it's... So I think a lot of people, their personalities, it's, it's just very hard to endure that kind of experience. So the humiliation of starting off and not a great spot, I feel like that deters a lot of people from continuing after the initial experience. And I think the second biggest reason is the payoff in terms of improvement and success is just not there for a lot of people. So for a lot of people, maybe they've been training for a long time, but they're just not exactly where they want to be. And they see that as evidence as to why they shouldn't continue. Um, So that's why people get demotivated easily along the way.
1: Do you think that debate is a sport that is exclusive for those who were privileged to have spoken a lot of English at home, who goes to good schools, who are exposed to... Current news, or do you think debate is a sport that really anybody can pick up?
0: Uh, In a sense, both yes and no. In terms of the easy yes, it's because a lot of these people who are as privileged as you describe, they find themselves excelling with very little effort. Um, So that's why you see a lot of these people becoming predominantly the majority of the debaters especially in the schooling circuit like a lot of international school kids are the ones excelling in the sport but also no because in terms of varsity debating a lot of people have a rough start at it and they see debating as an opportunity to improve their specific skill sets so I have seen so many success stories of people just complete rack to riches like can barely speak a word of English. And by, when I mean barely, I mean barely, barely. (laughs) Like, if I'm listening to them speak, I'm like, what are you saying? But, and there's a lot of these people there. I think especially with universities like UITM where...
1: Yeah, like local universities are still heavily involved.
0: There are a lot of, a lot of these public universities, they fully fund the activity. And some of their students are from rural areas. And some of them do have underprivileged backgrounds. But by virtue of university funding, they get to dabble in the sport. And because they have a lot of funding, it's not exactly like... There isn't like a bar before you enter. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they send a huge contingent of novice debaters who can barely speak English. So I see a lot of people who started from a place where they have no business debating. (laughs) (laughs) What are you
1: doing here?
0: Fast forward a couple of years later, they're like outshining everybody else because and now (laughs) yeah it's more it's more in the practice to be honest it's in the practice it's in the motivation
1: I mean we've seen some ourselves I think I think what people mistake is that they think that I'm really good at English and I'm really smart. I should join debates because I will do well. But actually, the majority of people who join debates are people who are not good at English, who want to improve their critical thinking skills. And so they start from scratch. So I think it's an illusion to say that you don't want to do debates or you don't want to do public speaking because I'm not good at speaking. It's actually quite the opposite. And I think going through that process actually makes you a lot better so then I wanted to talk maybe a little bit about because you're training high school students and university students can you tell me a little bit about the debating community in Malaysia and how is it amazing I don't know Oh, it's absolutely amazing Uh,
0: I think it's one of the most um, at some point it was the fastest growing society in the world I believed Um, I think circa we did have some past achievements in terms of Malaysia has been Asian champion multiple times. Um, it's one of the few Asian universities who have won the Austral Asian Championships in the open finals. It's one of the few Asian universities who have made it to the open semifinals of World Universities. Ooh, so there's a lot yeah, of yeah. yeah. yeah so I there's a lot of that. very high global milestones that the community has yeah. achieved. And we started from nothing. It started yeah. just from four to five institutions. And now we have 60, 70 institutions, 40 every tournaments a year. A tournament, right? I think that was during our time. These days, is a lot more really? <laughs> cooled down. But during myself and Isa's time, I think, I think 2012 was the year. 2012, we had a tournament every weekend. Yeah. I remember there was one weekend where there was three tournaments at the same time. And then we split the contingent <laughs> <laughs> into three
1: and went to oh, all yeah, three yeah, tournaments. Oh, yeah, so. Actually, I'm, I'm actually pretty amazed and proud um, that Malaysia is doing so well. I remember yeah. when you won be- Asians, Asia's Best Speaker, it was such a huge milestone yeah. for Malaysia, for our institution, especially because we, were, we are a public university. Okay. And we are heavily funded by the government and a lot of people underestimate not only our country but also
0: graduates from our university in particular. I think that's what made it such a... uh like a public point you, you, of attention I mean, you Like went, a UITM graduate yeah, Got I mean, the, got you the spot You went
1: on to win an award for that, right? Yeah, like, we well, got like well, award, <laughs> No, you particular You won an I, award You mean the award. Anugrah yeah. Icon Wanita <laughs> Muda? Yes, yes And you know, you went on to talk to media And like Yeah, I went
0: on like a like a PR stunt there for quite a while I yeah. think I got like I was on radio. I was on TV.
1: No, but I had that like was an really important because right. I felt like at that point of time it was a turning point for Malaysia to like be on the stage, not on the on the global stage, but also on the Asian stage. Because at that point in time, only Singapore teams, Singapore or and Philippines, Philippines. Yeah. yeah. So that was I. I. I remember you were honestly, a, a true inspiration for all of us, like even me. And I was so, so happy to be your friend and to be part of that journey. Yeah, it was bizarre. <laughs> I <didn't start> that. <laughs> and we, we've, we, You've come <coughs> such a long way since then. So I think before we end this session, maybe you can tell me what you seek to speak for, about, in spite of, or regarding. This is
0: true for why I continue to train the way that I train. I think I seek to speak to inspire other people to overcome their own personal insecurities and barriers. Um, Speech is a life-changing experience for me. I think it's transformative on every aspect of your personality and not just the things that you can measure, things like leadership, uh, teamwork, uh, your ability to think in general. And I want other people to access the same transformative tools and see how much better of a person they
1: can be if they chose to speak. Oh, that's so amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thanks for cooking me dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, for my future guests, it is not something that I do often. <laughs> you will not get paid <laughs> or get fed. <laughs> Wow, this is a tough sell. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating or review. Or best of all, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. It really helps more people access our podcast. And thank you so much again for being here. And I can't wait to talk to you again in the next episode. Bye.